during the last few years in many quarters of America, they are becoming more sensitive and respectful of Native American communities and people. Here in Colorado, this has ranged from renaming selected mountains and places to recognizing responsibility for the atrocities committed against Native people. Greetings again. I'm Adam Morgan. For over 50 years, the Denver Indian Center has been working to empower the Denver Native and Alaska Native community, their families, and youth. Their focus is delivering programs and outreach that support self-determination, physical health, cultural enrichment, and advocacy. These efforts are being led now at the center by Executive Director Mr. Rick Waters. It is heightened social awareness across the board with, with many groups and I think brought about uh, in big part, more, more recently with the George Floyd uh, instance or situation in Minneapolis. And I, I say that because those type episodes uh, and things that were happening, police brutality, treatment of the American Indian communities, uh, racism and all of the above, were happening in Minneapolis to the Native American community uh, back in the 60s that actually, from my understanding, was uh, the beginnings of the American Indian movement uh, to bring light to what was happening to that segment of the community there. Uh, but that's, what, six, 50 years ago, 60 yeah, years yeah. ago? And it's just within the last couple of years, because of the George Floyd, all of a sudden, and I think you give credit to technology and the cell phones that took the video of what took place, uh, that it was actually documented and, and people around the country saw what was actually happening uh -huh. uh, as opposed to hearing it. And so I, I think from that it stemmed a, a, a more uh, awareness and awakening of, of the general population. But uh, John F. Kennedy, President John F. Kennedy, said it best in 1963 when he said, uh, American Indians were the most misunderstood and least understood uh, Americans in, in the country. And basically, if an education of the community or people did not take place to know about the first Americans, then their treatment would go down as a negative legacy or a bad legacy uh, for the United States. And so I think right now, often we say the biggest challenge the American Indian Native community faces is invisibility, which is often defined as misunderstanding misunderstanding or not understanding yeah. who we are in our culture as the first Americans. Um, I guess you are supporting the renaming of Mount Evans then as a part of that uh, trying to get a hold of better respect for Native Americans. Well, well, certainly before this was Denver or Colorado, this was Indian country and landmarks and places, you know, had designations by yes. the different tribes that were here. So, uh, you know, that formal naming was was done by you know the johnny come lately so to speak but <laughs> history colorado they are remembering the sand creek massacre i think on one hand we want to remember history but on the other hand uh that exhibit tends to do something that other ones have not and that's taking responsibility for something that shouldn't should have never happened it's a very uh i think credible and and thought out and it was put together uh I would, I would say probably in, in the right way in terms of documentation and the yeah. history and getting uh, the facts from 
the native communities, the representative tribes, the Cheyenne Arapaho. And so it tells history, which often, uh, and Will Rogers said it best, he said, history is not, or history ain't what it is, it's what some writer wanted it to be. And so we've been understanding history to a degree of the way or the eyes of somebody uh, putting it in their perspective. Yeah. And so particularly here in Colorado, very rich history. But the Sand Creek Massacre, if you look at that, that's tied to, I guess, taking away uh, of land yeah. from tribes that that were through negotiation as sovereigns sovereign nations given given land and you know fraudulently in some cases and illegally in some cases uh, the violation of the treaties then in a in a in one way brought about the the interactions that took place and leading up to the Sand Creek massacre let me ask you about the center itself um, i noticed you have a food bank there are we having a food desert among native people here in town uh, it, it that's perspective, I guess, depending on the neighborhoods and some of the areas. Uh, obviously, access to nutritional foods is always uh, an issue that that you look at, and sometimes that's based upon uh, you know resources and and opportunities or what is available for the communities. Uh-huh. Uh, we do have a food bank here at the Denver Indian Center. Uh, that's more of more or less a food pantry. That's not something that's one of our major programs at this time. But during COVID, during the pandemic, that was specifically a need in our community, having many of our members uh, losing jobs or uh, unable to, just because of the uh, work, uh, have resources to to get get food and just like across the country, you know, there were food banks. So we we expanded it to almost a legitimate size food bank. But now that the COVID or pandemic has, has, has kind of lowered its head, we now primarily are serving our elder community through a commodity program through the state. Yeah, the, uh, it said uh, commodities for seniors. Does that, is that managed differently than the food bank itself? Or is that a setting aside of a certain amount of food to make sure that seniors and the elderly will be taken care of? It's it's actually a separate program, and it's it's uh, funded by by the state, and yeah. so or the uh, uh, government funding, and so the guidelines are specific to age, uh, income, and and lo- location. And there are several sites around the city, but uh, we primarily serve those in the Westwood area and have a focus towards our American Indian uh, seniors and elders. But uh, again, we've reduced um, our, just because of time, energy, and resources, all that it takes to put into a food bank, we still have that service available to those in in need that, mm-hmm. that approach us on an emergency basis. For the most part, we don't have a regularly scheduled food bank distribution time, except for the monthly commodity distribution. Sure. And you also, at the center, um, you also help uh, Native adults to prepare for working and, I guess, moving up in the workforce at the same time, skills development. Is that correct? Yes, yes. We have the Native Workforce Program, which is uh, federally funded through the Department of Labor, and it's designed basically to give 
community members an opportunity to have access to job opportunities, but also that pipeline to training opportunities to get those jobs that require a certain skill through certification programs and um, even through uh, educational opportunities in universities and colleges. So uh, that's been a mainstay of the Denver Indian Center since uh, its inception and beginning back uh, even shortly after the federal relocation program and when the Denver Indian Center, under a different name, Denver Native Americans United, was formed back in the in the 60s and into the 70s. Are we see also seeing uh, employment barriers against uh Native Americans, the way some other uh, communities have been have been affected by it as well, and so you're you're teaching and training those there to overcome those barriers. Well, some are, are cultural. You know, we have many of our uh, clients and participants that come to the center for assistance that may be coming from the reservations or rural areas, and they're going through the standard culture shock of. Mm-hmm of dealing with, you know, how to uh, utilize even technology uh, through applications, electronic applications, uh, researching job opportunities uh, through the Internet, uh, putting together a resume or, you know, going through and understanding the process of interviewing. So those those are some of the uh, things that we, we offer through the program in addition to uh, maybe subsidizing some of the uh, uh, assistance they might need in, with respect to the job or career path that they are following, you know, if they may need tools or, or whatever uh, to be successful in, in what they're what they're going into. I know you just mentioned um, um, high tech. Are we, are we doing a better job or we need to do a better job of getting broadband access to Native American reservations and communities? Again, the pandemic opened the eyes of, of many uh, with respect to the various communities that are uh, in line with the advance of technology and the need for technology and where we're going. And so um, that is something that we are very much uh involved in and at one point back in the 60s it was called the digital divide yeah and now it's more of looking at the uh, digital equity or equity of uh within the different communities access to internet and if you don't have the hardware if you don't have the the, the phone or the computer you can't access the internet but you know it kind of uh they work together so that's in true. partnership with, for example, Comcast and and other uh, entities, we look at uh, the different communities that uh, would or different areas of our community that would need uh, support, particularly our seniors uh, navigating a, an iPhone or a computer. That's something we look at in developing training classes for them, as well as helping them on fixed fixed incomes access computers. Uh, with youth, obviously, uh, during the pandemic, you had the virtual learning, and that was something that, uh, depending on their uh, background and skill level and educational level, or even the parents in the household, uh, that was a challenge, not just for our community, but across the board. Yeah. So uh, we're always looking at ways of how we can strengthen our infrastructure here through computer lab and uh, training 
uh, around computer literacy. African-Americans are the, uh, in fact, specifically the Colorado Black Health Collaborative. One of their focuses has been health equity. Are you seeing health equity needs in the Native community as well? That is one of the areas that probably uh, we are obviously far down on the list uh, in, in terms of equity, if terming it that way. Uh, I give the example, you can drive around Denver and it seems like on every corner or every neighborhood, there's a urgent care center, there's a clinic, there's a hospital, uh, there's doctor's offices. Yeah, yeah. Um, here in Denver, you have the Denver Indian Health uh, and Family Services, which is associated with the Indian Health Service that uh, provides medical, physical, behavioral health uh, to the American Indian community, and it's tied to the Indian Health Service. Mm-hmm. But it's the only specific um, organization or health service uh, for uh, American Indians and Native Americans in the in the Denver area. So, in a sense, that specific cultural uh, access or culturally receptive access uh, with respect to health is one area uh, that we definitely have a need in, and is a challenge, and is a, a obvious inequity here in Denver. Do Native Americans have access to Medicaid uh, and Medicare if they're seniors? I would think that would be accessible so that uh, Native Americans can get at least some health uh, uh, support there. Well, my understanding would be that as citizens, as Americans, they should have access and they do have access to Medicare and Medicaid and mm-hmm. uh, the process uh, again you get back to a lot of its online application yeah. you know you got a lot of that like myself you know computer illiterate um, and so it that often is is a little bit of a barrier maybe in in terms of the process so uh, we we try to work with our community and, and answer those questions and help them navigate that process. But yet that is a, a resource to our community as well, obviously, just as it is to, to many other Americans. On this edition, we are gaining insight to the programs and services supporting the Denver Native community at the Denver Indian Center. Our guest is Center Executive Director, Mr. Rick Waters. We'll continue our conversation to learn more from him on our next edition. I'm Adam Morgan. Do keep in touch. Grab your COVID booster shot for additional safety and protection and a flu shot as well. And we do appreciate you for sharing a few moments of your weekend with us.